to Philosophers and Madmen with your two classic hosts, Josh Moran, which is I, and I am Dave Putman. It has just been a short time since our last podcast. Brief, if you will. I believe, uh, what would we say it was 2016? 20, no, 2017. 2017. So, yeah. only two years. Two years, it's fine. No big deal. Anyhow, we're back at it, trying to come back strong. So, we are without a guest today, so you're stuck with both us two idiots, and we're going to be just kind of kicking off, talking about some things that we've been thinking about, and some things that we want to make sure that we can just ramble on for a while, and start this whole podcast business back up again. One of the main reasons we stopped doing a podcast together is uh, because I actually really just hate David. Um, the, the mutual burning, hatred burning is wrong. <clears throat> but in all seriousness, for those of you who have listened to some of our podcasts in the past, I'm sure you'd recognize that the audio quality wasn't that great. So we spent some time trying to put together some better sound to get ourselves a little bit more acquainted with some new equipment that we purchased to use for this specific purpose and we're just gonna start rocking and rolling and try and get some of these things back up and running for you so dave anything in particular that you wanted to ramble about today one thing that's been on my mind lately is consistency uh we met last week i believe when we were talking about some club action and you shared with me a story that you share with your clients regarding consistency <clears throat> and uh, my recent perusing of social media via my business account has led me to see many, many clients with uh, not following advice I have given them, mm. such as, you know, like when we're doing the e-collar conditioning phase, make sure your dog's wearing their e-collar. And then, uh, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to bug them and be like, hey, you should do this because, you know, I'm just not going to do that. But mm-hmm. what had what had happened was uh, I received a text from a client and they're having some trouble with their dog uh, walking on a leash still. And that's usually something covered in lesson one. And I really want to make sure we relieve that stress, blah, blah, blah. And this client had done a bunch of lessons already, so it's, it should not be an issue. And then later that day, while on Instagram, I saw a video of their dog walking on a harness, pulling them down the street, and I just kind of lost it in my own little way. Sure. I, I quietly screamed mm-hmm. and yeah. said, well, of course you're having trouble. Yes. So, consistency. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, man, I mean... Uh, anybody who's trained, uh, I was going to say a dog, but I, I suppose it would just be in general. Any living creature, you know, needs consistency. <coughs> Excuse me. And ultimately, one of the things that I consider kind of the crux of the argument for me is just fairness to the dog. And in my opinion, consistency and fairness are, are practically the same thing. If I'm being inconsistent, I'm being unfair. And that doesn't mean inconsistent in the sense of variable reinforcement or anything like that. It just means if I'm not clearly defining what the pathway to success is, whether that's how to turn off pressure from an aversive or how to achieve a reward, I personally look at that as very unfair. And so I think there's a lot of folks out there that don't necessarily 
consider that to be the case and therefore put their dogs in a lot of kind of unpredictable circumstances. You know, the dog does, just does not know what to do. If sometimes I do A and it results in a correction and then other times I do A and there's no correction, it starts to become very disheartening to a lot of dogs, in my opinion. I would agree with that. It creates a, a confusion amongst the relationship between handler and dog that I can clearly see a lot of the time. Right. Usually coming back for a second, third lesson, it's like, okay, dog does not know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So there has been some sort of lack of consistency, Yep. whether it be on a leash, e-collar, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like I said, it's, um, it's not even just about the punishment or aversive aspects. As far as I'm concerned, it's, it's a bit unfair. And, and I don't want this to come across as though you have to reward something every single time, because that's not what I, I mean at all. But I see a lot of people that have trouble getting their dog to do a particular behavior and they do not consistently reward that behavior enough. They just don't show the dog success often enough for the dog to truly believe this is what I need to do to be successful. So for example, I had a, a client recently, older couple, really mean well, but they're just not very consistent and their dog acts like an absolute firestorm every time they go to feed him, jumping around, clawing at them, and then that turns into he's biting at their clothes and he's just becoming super ridiculous in the house. And he's a young dog. We're talking, you know, six and a half, seven month old Weimaraner. So, okay. I mean, he's not abnormal. No. He's just stoked. And so I talked to him about feeding him on a place board or a cot or just feed him in one particular area. That's the only place he gets food. And they started doing some of that, but then after, you know, half a week of doing it, they started seeing a whole bunch of success where he would go to the item pretty regularly. And then they were just thinking to themselves, okay, I'll just move on to something else now. I'll just go do something else with the food. He's got this down, which to me, yeah, there was some consistency in the beginning, but then the criteria changed. He's not getting paid there anymore. And they certainly weren't adding any realistic amount of aversive pressure to want him to stay there without the promise of food. So the dog quickly just went back to acting like a rapscallion, you know, just being a total knucklehead. And for these folks, it was really hard for them to understand what in the world they could be doing differently all of a sudden that made their dog just stop learning, as they put it, right? He's just not learning the right stuff anymore. So it isn't just about the use of aversive pressure for me when I talk about that fairness aspect. For me, it's really just about making sure that the dog has predictability in their understanding. A leads to B, B leads to C, rather than always. Uh, you're just jumping all over the, the alphabet, per se. So that's, that's one example for me where being consistent in how we deliver our expectations to the dog can make an absolutely astounding difference in their behavior. I, uh, I tell people all the time, you know, I love dealing with puppies, kind of, because <laughs> I'm so, like, for example, I'm so used to having my older dog know what to do. He, he knows the routine. It's been consistent since day one with him, right? We do this, we wake up, this is what happens. With a puppy, they kind of need to get their shit together before they can get the routine, Sure. Before you, know, you start with the consistency day one, and then you've got a dog who's not much of a problem, just let's say around the house. For example, furniture. 
the prime example of consistency. Well, is the dog allowed to get on the furniture? Sometimes. That's not the good answer. Yeah. It's yes or no. Sure. Or when invited. Mm-hmm. Right? Oftentimes I'll tell people, give your dog a command to get on the furniture. Create something. I'm going to call it, no, maybe call it bed. Yeah, or call it whatever you want. Snuggle. Sure. Yeah, snuggle. Just give it some sort of clearly defined Yes. Cue. You are allowed to do this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, that's just being fair. And consistency you know, is going to play a huge part in that. If sometimes the dog has to be invited and other times they don't, we're going to be in a position where the dog just kind of tries stuff and sees what the outcome is. Because how else, how if there's he, inconsistent feedback, how else could he possibly know? Right. So he can't know. Mm. Very true. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So it's been two years, man. What has happened in two years? Uh, you got a dog, right? I did. I got a dog. Me I too. A, I, you got a dog too. We both got new dogs in two years. I received. I don't know. I didn't necessarily receive. I bought a Malinois from Lucin Malinois in California, and she is now a year old, and she is a very big girl, and I'm super thrilled with her. I'm super thrilled with the way she's maturing. And what did you get? I got a Nazgul, man. Yeah, I got a Dutch Shepherd uh, from our, our mutual buddy Chris. Um, just dog wasn't working out well for his his life at that point, so got myself a bit of an older guy. I think now he's probably he's closing in on I think probably six or seven somewhere in there. I'm not really certain exactly what his age is, but got a Dutch Shepherd who I think you know um, really fits in well with my lifestyle. He's a bit of a sharp dog and has has some bites on his record. And ultimately, um, just like I said, wasn't fitting in well with the lifestyle he was he was asked to live in once Chris moved off his mountain. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, our friend Chris used to live on a farm in California up on a mountain in this Dutch Shepherd Nazgul. Just roamed the mountain with him and just kind of was a farm dog and really did quite well. Then Chris moved back home to Buffalo, moved in with some lifelong friends of his, but moved in with, I think, three of them. So he had three roommates in there, four, three roommates, girlfriends, and three roommates worth of guests. And Nazgul was always a very suspicious and protective dog. You know, he loves guarding things, the truck, his house, whatever, the yard. And so people would come in the house, they'd get bit by the dog simply because he was doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. And it was really hard for Chris to control enough of his lifestyle at that time to set now school up for success and, you know, obviously set his guests up for success. So um, I ended up with him, which I, I couldn't be more pleased about. You know, he does really, really well with, with my partner, Jess and I, and Man, he's he's you know really carved out a, a nice little spot in my heart for himself. So, I have no problems with the guy. It's it, it definitely you get a dog that's happy to bite people and is naturally suspicious of new people. You know, he he doesn't bite them because he's afraid of them. He's he doesn't bite them because you know I'm prompting him into an aggressive response. He just likes biting people, he and does. so um, people come in unannounced and that's that used to be my life people come over just walk in man like no big deal but a lot of that has changed so friends and family can no longer just walk into my home 
there's a certain process you have to go through to make sure that I have control of the dog and et cetera. And for a lot of people, that's just kind of common sense. Um, don't walk in my house uninvited. Uh, I get it. But that's that's kind of the life I was living previously. And, you know, one of the reasons that Nazgul found himself in some trouble anyhow. So it was pretty easy for me to make that adjustment. Most people know what I do for a living. And so they're a little bit more respectful of what I say about what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do around my dog. So it's been an easy adaptation, but it certainly has been an adaptation. There's there's been a lot of things that change in my life. You know, Nazgul is not a come hang out of the barbecue type of dog. You know, for example, um, on 4th of July, I went over to Chris's house, hang out with him and some friends, uh, big party. Chris lives on the river. It's a great spot, but people were coming and going. They would go out to their car. They'd get some more beers. They'd come back in. And as I was standing there talking with one of Chris's roommates, um, this guy comes walking in and he had a cast on his arm. And he had left and he had been gone for something like five minutes and then just walked back into the backyard again. And Scott looked at me and he goes, oh, that dude would be fucked if Nazgul still worked, he lived here. Uh, if he still lived here, that guy's going to get the business. You know, Just walking in kind of unexpected is, is not something that he, he really accepts as something that can happen. So uh, there's been some changes in my life from that degree, but otherwise just uh, I enjoy having the weird dude around. He's a cool dude. We yeah. had a similar situation when I was watching him. Gray was putting an oven mitt on and mm, yeah. walking around with a large oven mitt. And I was like, ooh, you should take that off. <laughs> He's yeah. like, what? I'm like, mm, Nazgul doesn't like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's not that like he doesn't like it. He really likes it. He it, loves you, it. You start putting <laughs> stuff on your arms or on your legs that looks puffy and uh, somewhat similar to bite equipment. And he's happy to kind of take liberties with people that don't know enough about how to behave around him or, or command him into another behavior. You know, he's, he's definitely a pushy dog, but there's certain things that I enjoy about that. And I have no problem with it. I agree. He's a cool dog. I enjoy mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, otherwise uh, in the past couple of years, I think, you know, there's been a lot of things that we've been doing. Um, you know, I've continued to, be hashtag blessed enough to do some seminars and travel around, things like that. Um, you know, always, always great to go visit my friends in Australia and wherever else I end up teaching. So that's always pretty cool. That's cool. Um, and just hanging out with my dogs, you know, I've taken a bit of a step back from social media and having a presence like that. And it was was funny at uh, this year's IACP conference, my friend Larry was there, Larry Crone. And he was talking to somebody else and then kind of pointed at me and jokingly was like, yeah, it's kind of like this guy. He's just disappeared off of the Internet. It's like, yeah, mission Good. accomplished. You know? <laughs> um, and I've got my own feelings about you know certain social media sites and, and that type of stuff. And I still have accounts and all that. It's just at a certain point it was sucking up a lot of free time that I really just didn't enjoy and I wasn't getting any any joy out of it. And so now I'll check something like Facebook once every couple weeks and because I don't check it very often, they give you notifications about freaking everything. Um, yeah, right? yeah. Like, Someone oh, posted a picture about something. Yeah, exactly. Care. Dave Putman commented on somebody else's it's like yeah. I don't care about any of this. That's right? just uh, it's a cry for help for me. <laughs> it's it's uh, something that just kind of sucked a lot of 
time and energy and, and good feelings out of myself. And um, I've really enjoyed stepping away from it. So from a business standpoint, I still have a business Facebook because, you know, it's, it's one of the first things people look to when it comes to finding a service. Uh, they feel like they can get a lot of feedback from it and they, and they rightfully should, cause you can get a lot of feedback from it. But I just have all of that type of stuff set up with an auto reply so mm, that if somebody sends me a message, it just says something to the effect of Facebook is my least active or visited social media platform. If you'd like to reach me, here's the number, here's an email. And part of that is also just a bit of a filtering process. If people can't even read that and then follow through, like, great, I don't want to work with you anyway. Right? Fair. Uh, and secondly... Like I said, I just really don't like being on the stupid thing. Yeah, it's relatively irritating. And I tell yeah. people all the time, I have it because I have to have it. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I don't check my business Facebook, actually, unless I see that there's like someone sent you a message. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay. And then usually my response is always the same. Sure, check out the website. I got to do that auto reply. That seems auto like a reply real good idea. Money, man. I deleted the Facebook app from my phone. Okay. And I keep uh, the Facebook Messenger app on there because it's you know, easy for me to keep in contact with, you know, a guy like Alex Edwards through Facebook Messenger because, right. you know, he's in a different... Because they don't have phones in Australia? Yeah, 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 exactly, because they don't, they don't know what the hell they're doing down there. Yelling um, into a tin can, <laughs> sending Morse code for, yeah. over Facebook Messenger. Exactly. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> so uh, that's easy enough. But otherwise, man, it's uh, been really nice to kind of step away from that. There was a lot of times where I'd go on there and I'd read what essentially devolved into goofy arguments or semantic discussions about dog training, which at one point was really, really important to me and was really interesting. And there was a huge portion of my learning in dog training that came from not necessarily Facebook, but very similar types of forums and discussions Mm -hmm. before the dog training YouTube craze kind of blew up. That's a good one. You know, Uh, did I tell you that I have the, the trolls of Reddit after me? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. dude. Uh, people, I got death threats. Yeah? On Reddit, yeah. That's beautiful. It actually, so a cool side, well, it's a story. You've so made it, sweetheart. I've, I've made it. I am here. <laughs> so those of you on, on Reddit, there is open dog training. Mm-hmm. There's also r slash dog training, which is just not. Don't go there. Yeah. So for those of you guys who, who are not familiar, Reddit is, um, in all senses of the word, a social media platform. It's very different from some of the others in a variety of ways in the sense that you can vote on practically everything. Somebody puts up a post, you can upvote or downvote. The more upvotes, the more seen it is by people. The more downvotes, the less seen. And this also goes for comments. So somebody makes a comment on a video and a bunch of people disagree with it. They all downvote it. And then that comment kind of gets downvoted into oblivion. If everybody agrees with it or thinks that it adds something to the discussion, it's upvoted. Um, <clears throat> so through that process, you just kind of get to see where everybody's head's at. How many people agree with this? How many people disagree? And you know, it has its own problems for sure. But it is a very interesting website. All the goofy, silly stuff you see on Facebook or Instagram very likely was on Reddit like a week prior. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise... There are sub forums that are uh, referred to as sub reddits. So it's every little niche thing you could possibly imagine has its own little forum. Just pictures of cats wearing hats. There's a forum for that. There's a subreddit for that. 
Uh, and when it comes to dog training, as most of us who are you know really passionate or interested in, in learning about dogs and, and expanding our own knowledge about dog training, it's one of the things we inevitably check out on any website like Reddit. Let's see what they have to say about dog training. And you find that there's really two main subreddits that have to do with dog training. One is dog training. And this is very much in the vein of no aversive punishments. It's very positive, only force-free, whatever moniker you'd like to give to that. But they do shy away from utilizing physical aversives in dog training. And then there's another subreddit called open dog training, which is far more open to utilizing different tools and applying them to your dog's learning. Or so the title says. So it says, yes. And so. there was a question. Someone posted a thing about their, they have a dog. It's biting them and their girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's anxious. I'm throwing air quotes on that because every dog is anxious. Sure, sure. As those of us who train dogs know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I my recommend I didn't reach out and say, hey, let me tell you about this really long response and let you, you know, drop some big dick knowledge on you. I simply <laughs> said, hey, you know, I'm a member of an organization called the International Association of Canine Professionals. If you give me your location, I can reach out to some colleagues and find a trainer because, you know, while people are giving you advice, you have a serious problem on your hands and you're not you do not seem prepared to deal with this and you need to seek professional help here, mm. right? Because if your dog's biting you and your girlfriend in your own home, like we're, we're beyond the point of like, let's hit up PetSmart and do some work. Sure. Right? You need some help. So um, they were like, well, what do you think they would offer? I'm like, well, I can't tell you that because I don't know who, yeah. I don't know who's in your location. I don't even know where you live. I was like, my personal strategy would probably be foundational obedience using this, that, the other thing. Uh, and then someone said, well, I think we should probably get this dog medicated. Mm. And I was like, well, it's like in my experience, I don't think medication's the answer for this type of display of aggression, right? Sure. Medication, in my experience, in my opinion, is generally the last sort of the last option. Like let's right, make sure, at least make sure the dog's healthy, right? Let's get an exam to make sure the dog's not, doesn't have a tumor in its head or something like that. Sure. And um, someone just took it and ran with it saying like, you know, I can't, you know, I see you all the time disregarding medication. Medication with a behavioral modification plan is really going to, you know, is the way to go. What are you going to do if the dog's got sound-based anxiety or like movement-based anxiety? And I was like, well, you know, like let's, Stop throwing around these terms that you're just making up here. Sure. Like, and I was like, sound-based anxiety. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, the sound of a truck, it causes anxiety, and the dog should be medicated. I'm like, oh, like, no. Like, let's be... And then it was like, well, you're probably one of those yank and crank assholes who thinks you could just correct anxiety out of a dog. I was like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Sure. Um, and then I was like, well, I do use prong collars and electronic collars, but, you know, I have... The way I use them is this, that, the other thing. And I made the mistake of engaging and trying to just defend myself, which, you know, fuck me. Sure. Um, and uh, then then somebody was like, well, if I f- ever find you, I'm going to put a prong collar on you and rip you around. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, like, please. Like, nothing would make me happier than you to find me and put a prong collar on me. He's like, well, I'm in Seattle, pussy. And I was like, dope. I'm thinking to myself, Seattle, I wouldn't mind going to Seattle. <laughs> so I was like, hey, man, like... We can do a sanctioned street fight in Seattle. I'll fly out there, and if you can get a prong collar on my neck, I'll let you yank me around. Uh, which got no reply. Sure. Because, sure. you know, 
uh, I mean, I've never really challenged anybody to a sanctioned street fight on Reddit, but, and then there's this First whole time thing. for everything. Yeah, right. And then there's this whole, uh, you know, you're probably one of those uh, Tyler. Someone did call me a Tyler Muto uh, fucking fanboy, and I was like, ooh, I'm like, you have no idea. Mm-mm. I'm like, this is fun. And they're like, what kind of experience do you have? Or I'd rather trust somebody with years of pharmaceutical experience to train my dog. And I was like, I sure as fuck wouldn't. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the whole discussion about medicating dogs, I think, is an interesting one. Because oh, without a sure. doubt, it's functional. It works. It has its place. And, and that's not to say that I'm the type of guy who wants every dog medicated far from it. I think that's that's kind of disastrous. And... You know, there are certain correlations we could draw to human society through that. You know, how many people are taking medication to try and solve an issue that could, theoretically, in some cases, not all people, but could be ameliorated somewhat by a change of lifestyle, change of diet, change of scenery in a sense, right? Like, do you do a lot of things that make you happy? Do you do a lot of things that challenge yourself in a way that help you grow? Do you eat clean? Do you drink a lot? Do you sleep enough? There's a a ton of things that that need to be addressed, I think, when it comes to the concept of mental health. But there's a lot of folks that just eat a pill and continue doing everything else exactly the same way. And it doesn't ever really give them the opportunity to fix those issues. And this is also, you know, to be totally fair, coming from somebody who's quite literally perfect. Um, like I don't have any issues. One hundred percent perfect. Well, so this this argument did devolve into like now you're stigmatizing mental health, and I was like, oh, for Christ's sake. Sure. I was like, I'll talk to my therapist about that one. Yeah, and you know, ultimately, I think there are a lot of a lot of nuances to any of those conversations. But is it some sort of canine mental health issue exclusively? that's causing the dog to lash out at the handlers slash owners? Or is there some sort of handling that needs to change from their perspective? Is there a routine in the dog's lifestyle that needs to change? Or is it a combination of both? And that's where I definitely think there's a lot to be gained with certain circumstances, you know, and that could be certain dogs and certain owners, whatever. Yeah, medication could probably make a huge difference. And you know, the, the classic example that I use is uh, hypothyroidism. Sure. Right? Like that. Yeah. There's many, many cases where dogs have made a big turnaround through the use of medication. So I don't like to, you know, just paint with broad strokes. But the vast majority of people that I talk to whose dogs are on medication are on medication for reasons that are just absolutely berserk to me. And most of the time they're being thrown <laughs> on Prozac. Yeah, they're being put on Prozac. Uh, they're being sometimes, you know, just give your dog a bunch of Benadryl every day. It's like, yeah, I, I don't understand why we are shirking part of the conversation that has to do with actual change in the dog's behavior. If we make these changes in a dog's behavioral patterns, right? What is the dog allowed to do on a regular basis? How much physical and mental stimulation or satisfaction is the dog getting on a regular basis? How is the relationship with the owner? Is the owner, you know, just letting the dog do whatever they want whenever they want? Is the dog's owner a total tyrant and has no outlet for doing fun things with the dog? With the dog is, I think, is a really important uh, part of that sentence because there is a difference between sure. your dog running in its backyard by itself 
Yes. And you interacting with your dog in the backyard. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there's lots of people who talk about the, the lack of structure, the lack of discipline. I don't think those things are unimportant, no. you know, and obedience gives us a way to just create a more diverse communication system with a non-English speaking animal or non-human Your verbal. dogs are dumb. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but being able to lay a foundation of obedience just gives you more vocabulary words to use with the animal in essence, uh, you know, to kind of dumb it down. But if you do those things and then there's still problems, okay, well then maybe medication is the answer, but we're also at that point then medicating a dog, changing the brain chemistry of a dog that has had an opportunity to learn some other stuff. And we've taken some steps to change what could very well be our own, um, you know, kind of lackings that could help the dog make better decisions or just not feel so threatened in whatever way that causes them to bite their owners. I don't ever want that to seem like medication is a fix-all or it's totally invaluable. I know that's not what you're saying. It's very easy for people to kind of, you know, take a one-size-fits-all mentality. But there is a lot of people that medicate dogs for seemingly no reason. Fucking noise anxiety that's called living on planet earth that's that well, as soon as i read that i was like oh fuck like come on yeah well trucks cause anxiety okay well yeah. let me just put out an, uh, a fucking sign on my street yeah nobody is allowed to drive trucks for the next month uh so i can get my dog over truck phobia that's just that's not a realistic it's not a reasonable goal to expect everything around the dog to change and in my opinion to jump right to medication without helping the dog become stronger mentally is a real failing. To not put the dog in a position where they can learn, oh, that's not, that's not so scary, is totally a, a, a huge oversight, in my opinion, that people oftentimes, well, I'll just give them this pill and then it will make it all better. Right. Which, I mean, realistically, what do we think is happening when we're giving dogs these types of medication? Seven Benadryl in the morning. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, he likes to party. I get it. But... Not healthy. No. So, um, yeah, man, that's that's a very interesting thing that I, I have noticed over the years, a, a big trend of medicating dogs. And like I said, there's I'm not a veterinarian. I don't I don't have all the training they do. I don't. Um, you know, so I and I couldn't even give somebody a layman's breakdown of exactly what these drugs are doing. But, <clears throat> you know, to, to a great extent, I'm not a huge proponent of altering brain chemistry without altering behavior first. Behavioral, yeah, you have to alter the behavioral patterns before we can start finding out, well, okay, is this a behavioral thing or is the dog a hypothyroidism? Hmm. Is the dog have a fucking tumor? Sure. Right? And you can generally tell those types of things. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tests to do for hypothyroidism and things like that, but there's... There's also a lot of things people could just do, you know, keep a leash on the dog in the house. Yeah. I can't tell you tell you how many times I talk to somebody whose dog is, you know, quote, terribly aggressive in the house, and it's almost always centered around some sort of resource or privileged item, right? Dog gets on the couch, you try and get him off the couch, dog bites, bites you. you. Right. Okay, well, how are you trying to get him off the couch? Are you going to grab him and pull him off the couch? Yeah, of Or course. are you grabbing his leash from three feet away and then making him get off the couch in a fairly non-confrontational way that starts to set a new habit of behavior? 
there's little things like that people can start to do before they immediately jump to either A, yank and crank style, you know, wailing on a dog, or B, altering the brain chemistry without, you know, lifting a finger to change anything else. So I can't imagine medicating your dog is, you know, a reasonably cost-effective method either. I mean, yeah, I don't sure, know. Training's not cheap. I get that. Could be. I make that dog training money, son. <laughs> Rubbing my hands together on that mic, dollar dollar bills. But for a monthly medication, like damn. But again, I don't. Yeah. Again, like you said, I'm not a veterinarian. I don't know. But I do like to point out often that veterinarians study medicine. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I yep. don't. I, oftentimes, you'll I get clients whose vets recommend training routines and. Uh, I'm sure the look on my face says it all when they tell me half of the things there's a vet tells them to do. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've had plenty of clients who, who have brought me a very young dog. And I'm not talking weeks old in a sense of, you know, just got the puppy and they're medicating it. I haven't encountered too much of that. But yeah. I have definitely encountered dogs that are six, seven months old and are on chemicals. And I ask, okay, so like... Trazodone, right? Yep, yes. Why is your dog taking this? Well, because he's too hyper, and this is what the veterinarian said to do. He's he's not even a year old, and now we're altering brain chemistry because you have a fucking seven-month-old dog. He's a puppy. Yeah, like, what, what are we really doing here? And that's the type of stuff to me that ultimately, I think, throws a lot of doubt in in the realm of veterinarians, or at least it can, is what I should probably say. Uh, it can put a lot of doubt in what some of these people are telling their clients to do when, like, hey, you're the expert, and for most people, a veterinarian is like the top of the food chain when it comes to knowledge about their animal. Mm-hmm. And rightly so, these people go through a ton of education, they learn a lot. So I think sometimes there is a bit of a failing there to just jump to medication first. You know, they just, hey, I have a really rowdy puppy. He bites on me all the time. He seems totally uncontrollable. I've tried, you know, uh, A, B, and C that I read on the internet. I turn my back. I ignore it. I, you know, ask him to sit, etc. And it just never seems to get the point across, you know, don't jump all over me and bite me and things like that. And the veterinarian says, well, it sounds like you got a very hyperactive dog. We should probably medicate him, get him to chill out a little bit, and then, you know, we can try and wean him off of it later. But to me, it's a very similar circumstance to uh, just physically managing a dog's behavior, right? So if I tie my dog's leash to the doorknob in the other room when people come over, and then I proudly exclaim that my dog did not jump on you, I don't feel like I'm being that truthful because the dog did not have the physical ability to do that behavior. No, you're stating a truth. Yeah, he didn't jump on you. He couldn't. But he didn't have the opportunity to jump on you, right? So it's like, what are we really, really saying there? And I think there's a certain similarity, at least in my eyes, to medicating animals for things like hyperactivity outside of you know the extreme versions which there very well may be some reasons to to medicate dogs for hyperactivity i don't know like i said i'm not a vet but uh, the amount of young dogs i've seen that have gone through something like this and realistically what they need is somebody who can teach that dog 
literally anything. <laughs> right? Just like literally teach them anything. to do anything. And they can put all of that spunky, ridiculous behavior into something more productive. Like that to me just seems like a no brainer. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the, the medication craze. And I think that's, you know, to a certain extent, something that, um, more folks have to talk about it. And, and, and I definitely hear it from a lot of dog trainers. I hear it from a lot of people uh, that are in our field and, and discuss this type of stuff. But yeah, it's a, a training goes through phases. Mm. Uh, I think Chad said something about it when I was talking to him about how he usually goes through phases of behaviors that come in that he sees. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that training, our training, my training in particular, will go through phases where I'll be like super into one thing and then move on to something else. But the one of the phases that's been coming into is I've been getting a lot of phone calls looking for a behaviorist, mm-hmm. not a dog trainer. Sure. And uh, I'll always be truthful. I'm not a behaviorist. I didn't go to school for that. Mm-hmm. But again... I, do, I mean, I, I went to school to be an educator, so I can educate you on the fact that I'm not a behaviorist. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's that's something. I mean, like, what is a behaviorist? Well, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, what do you need a behaviorist for? To tell you your dog's fucking a lunatic? I got you. I'll tell you that. Uh, kind of like the idea of I've, I've gotten a lot of people like, hey, can you just come out and look at my dog and tell me what's wrong? I was like, well, just tell me what's going on right now. Like, well, he's biting people. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't need to come see you. You sure? Let's, sure. let's, uh, like, what can we do? What can I help you with other than, like, I, you know what I mean? Or, well, now that my favorite. Do you want me to, like, just let my dog go so you could see what he does? Yeah, please. I love getting bit. I love it. Oh, your dog bites people? Definitely let him go. I please. wanted you to see how bad he can get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Yep, I believed you. On the phone. <laughs> and now his teeth are in my thigh, and I still believe you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And um, people get degrees in behaviorism. I get it. But, I mean. It's cool. It just is probably more likely, in my opinion, like a certain amount of buzzwords associated with it. I don't have any problem. It, it's got to be a buzzword. With people that are behaviorists. Like, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't bother me any. But, I mean, if you look up what behaviorist means, it just means somebody who studies behaviorism. behaviorism. Like, right? Right? So it's like. They subscribe to behaviorism. I study behavior, too. Yeah. Uh, it's like saying you're only a scientist if you get a degree. That's not actually what scientist means. Scientist means somebody who's, who uh, subscribes to the scientific method and utilizes it in their study. Like, that's it. Right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't... If you look up the definition of a scientist, it doesn't say one who has obtained a degree from an Ivy League school in these particular sciences. So it's, it's, I, I don't know, man, it, it could be a buzzword. Maybe I'm just a fucking idiot. Uh, I, I totally leave that possibility out there. Uh, I don't want to agree, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, you're right. It is buzzword. There's buzzwords that take, that take hold and that's, we have to start seeing I think I'm starting to see patterns more and more as this progresses because I just thought about it uh, two years ago in August is when we posted that episode. Two years ago in July is when I started my business and mm-hmm. went off on my own. Yeah. So that was kind of like a, that was a weird thing at that time. But now I'm two years in sure. and I'm starting to see this, these trends of trend, not trend for all you bodybuilders out there, trends of buzzwords that are coming along especially just because sometimes if i'm waiting for a lesson i'll pop over on reddit which again 
um, and I'll read these things and it's just, you know, I, I don't know why I read them. It's kind of like, you know, watching a car accident. You can't look away. Sure. I read these things and I did, one thing did work out for me. A guy had some issues with his newly adopted dog. He lives in Manhattan and his newly adopted dog was really fucking him up. I reached out and called Blake. I talked sure. to Blake and Blake got him, Blake got the guy taken care of within a few days of that. And the the gentleman on Reddit was incredibly appreciative. And, like, that sure. was cool to yeah. know that, like, yeah, like, I can use my resources and, and connections to help somebody for good, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the guy's talking about how he's crying. He doesn't want to give up his dog. And, like, yeah, man, I've been there before. You know, I, I know what it's like. Yeah. So knowing that at least some good can come out of it probably makes me keep returning. Or I'm just a glutton for punishment. Um, I, I think it's it's something that... You know, if I was if I was quite a bit smarter, I could probably make a, a much more grandiose comparison to a human society in general through social media. But there's a huge amount of echo chambers that people build for themselves, and I'm not always certain that people do it purposely. Right? I love finding out new information. Sometimes new information sucks, dude. Sometimes oh, new information God. is terrible to hear. Um, you know, there's been times where, you know, some of my best friends in the world have had to tell me that, like, hey, man, you're kind of like an ass right now. Like, you're behaving in a way that makes everybody really bummed that you're here. You can't and, sit with us right Yeah, now. exactly, right? Like, you got to go home and think about some shit. Um, and, and there's, it's not always fun to hear that information, mm-hmm. right? But the more you shy away from it, the more likely to have one of those huge explosive moments of realization you're likely to get. And, you know, I think with, I see it even with Netflix, man. So it's not just Reddit where I can upvote and downvote what I like and then it changes Mm -hmm. what I see. This happens with Facebook. This happens with Instagram, you know, and even Netflix, man. So like tons and tons and tons of selection. You can select anything. But most people, when they sit down to take a look at Netflix, they end up scrolling past the same movies time and time and time again, even though they're going to different categories of movies. It's like Netflix boasts thousands and thousands of movies on there. Why am I seeing the same effing movie in six different categories? And I think part of it is because you start thumbs up, thumbs down, watch this, recommend mm-hmm. something else. It creates this weird little echo chamber where you, all you ever hear is the information that supports what you're trying to support, which, you know, this kind of odd confirmation bias is, is something that never, never gets broken down until you actively go out of your way to see it. Right? No. And, and so sometimes I've, I've put myself in circumstances where... Yeah, I kind of shot myself in the foot trying to either be that voice of reason or or find my own, you know? It's like I, um, you know, I've been banned from a bunch of different Facebook groups and crap like that for just like, hey, did you guys think about this? Like, get the fuck out of here, nerd. <laughs> How can't. dare you make yeah. me think. I mean, I don't want to name uh, names or anything like that, but... Um, I was in a, a Facebook forum with another dog trainer who's, you know, everybody, you know, is a big fan of his name and stuff like that. And uh, they were talking a bunch of crap about what was, you know, to them, the liberals and, and literally like name calling, right? Oh, that's the best. Yeah. And I was, uh, all I posted was like, hey, man, like if, if 
those same people were doing this, I feel like you guys would not be so cavalier about it. Like instant ban. I was like, oh wow, just how <laughs> dare you challenge my beliefs? And that's and it's like I wasn't really challenging much, just pointing out like, hey, this kind of seems a bit hypocritical here, don't you think? Don't point out my hypocrisy. Then, get out of here. Um, but that happens all over the place, man. That happens in so many areas of our lives that we're not forced to recognize. We don't ever look at it from that outside perspective until I I truly believe this sometimes because I've been in that position where I didn't want to believe something and like, nah, I don't, I'm not down with that. I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't look at it that way. And then eventually because I, I didn't, I didn't respect that other viewpoint enough to even give it some thought or some research. Inevitably it comes back like, oh yeah, hey, stupid, like, this has been true and it still is true. You're just pretending it's not because it doesn't fit in with your narrative, which, you know, I know everybody's guilty of, but it is, it is definitely something that I've, I've had to deal with. So denying universal truths, something like that, man, or at least, you know, a truth that was kind of a bummer to hear. Yeah. Or, you know, things. And, and it's funny. Um, uh, I think, uh, you you know uh, Glenn and Pat Cannon Paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, oh, it was just recently, right? I think uh, Pat was talking about um, talking to Roger Abrantes at the IACP conference, which was a huge highlight for me. I got to spend some time alone just kind of like chat with this dude and, and ask him some questions, get his perspective on some things. And... Um, you know, it, was, it was huge for me. I've been reading that guy's books for freaking ever. But Pat said that he was talking to Roger and Roger essentially clarified an idea for him that was at, in some way at odds with what Pat had been telling his clients previously. And what Pat said was, what I have been doing worked. It works. I've seen it work. My clients have seen it work. There's no question about whether or not it does work. It works. But the reasoning behind why I was saying it worked was shown to be absolutely false by this guy, Roger, who just, you know, knows a lot more than, than most freaking people. Uh, and so, and so again, like that's a weird thing to have to come to grips with is I'm hired as a bit of an expert or, you know, Pat is as well, right? Both for teaching seminars, training clients, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then to have to come to grips with the fact that now I have to go tell all these people that what I told them isn't the whole truth. It's not untrue. It still works. It's still effective. But it's not the entirety of the truth. There's something else that I haven't figured out yet that we got to work towards. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that ultimately is going to, you know, propel Pat to continue improving as a dog trainer and just like a dog mind is, you know, he's, he's open to that experience. Yeah. I think one thing that makes a lot of us good dog trainers is that we're constantly thinking about things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always constantly thinking like, I actually question myself half the time. I'm like, did I just lie to my client by accident? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But I think I actually just grabbed that book that you, you showed me, uh, canine behavior. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah awesome. I wanted to check that out. It's a good one. Yeah, I, I'm a whole three pages in because mm-hmm. I started reading it while I was drinking tea last night. I am an adult, and I fell asleep. Yep. Yeah, that'll happen. Yep. Yep. Because I'm cool, and that's what dog trainers do. Mm-hmm. We read books, go to sleep. Read books, go to sleep, and train our dogs. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, speaking of books, though, 
last November, uh, a wonderful author passed away named Donald McCaig. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I discovered him through you. You, you gave me his book called Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men. Yeah. And he said, you should read this. And me, being the lemming I am, said, okay. <laughs> and immediately bought it and started reading it. And goddamn, that yeah. is a... Yeah, that guy writes about dogs in a way that I feel most of us wish we could put into words, you know? I mean, I guess that's true for anybody who writes really well yeah. uh, about a certain subject. But that guy has always been able to put into words something that I think most of us have just had this deep, you know, feeling about... And so when I, I think the first book I read from him was actually Mr. and Mrs. Dog. Mm -hmm. And man, that was one of the best kind of dog books I've ever read. And it taught me a lot about dog training in a lot of ways, but it has literally nothing to do with dog training. It's just him out there competing with his, his herding dogs and you know, kind of the, the process he goes through. So it's very, very uh, big bummer to lose a guy who can put into words so many things like that, for sure. Um, and if anybody out there hasn't read Donald McKig, then I highly recommend uh, Eminent Dogs, Dangerous Men. Also, Border Wars is a good one. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dog is, is a great book as well. I believe I have Knopf's Trials on my oh, cool. list as well. It's in my queue of thousands of books to read. Yeah, yeah, as per usual. But I tend to find myself rereading books often. That'll happen. I'm right now. Well, I'm not reading per se because I'm listening to it. Right, he's coloring. Book. It's a coloring yeah. book. It's a <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Um, but I am listening to a, a Brandon Sanderson series right now, and Brandon Sanderson writes like fantasy novels. Ooh, The Way of Kings, right? Yeah, Way of Kings, and then um, yeah, I finished that one when I was in Colorado and now I'm listening to uh, The Words of Radiance. It's, you know, the second book in the series, but mm -hmm. the guy really creates some cool, um, cool worlds, you know, very immersive. So yeah. I guess this is now a book review. Yeah, so. let's book review. Uh, <laughs> we've, been, we've uh, since we started this podcast, we were going to do a book review on behavioral adjustment training, BAT, mm -hmm. uh, one and, well, 2.0, I don't want to call it a sequel. Sure. Because it's a comeback. Mm. But, um, and we never got around to that, and I don't want to do that now. Yeah. But I know. Cool stuff. Yeah, Grisha man. Stewart, man. So, Grisha, I met her at ICP2. Oh, oh she's shit. a very nice lady. Yeah. See, I feel like sometimes funny. when I don't go, I done fucked up, but mm -hmm. then I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, I want to see Justin, but I don't like Justin that yeah. much. Yeah. Um, That's fair. I feel the same way. Justin, I don't like you. It's a. It's really hard. To see Justin. It is. It's unfortunate yeah. that he's so He's gross. always wanting us to like go get good stuff to eat and drink. And yeah. He's always like, hey, we should drink this beer. I'll totally buy you beer. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I just... I, I want to go to bed at like 7. He forces me to stay up to like 2. Right? Yeah. It's a bad influence. I agree. Um, so for a comeback podcast, I think we've, we've covered a bunch of bases, talked about a lot of nothing, uh, which is exactly what I assume people have come to expect from a podcast that comes out once every two years. <laughs> if this is the best we can do in two yeah. years, like you beautiful. guys are in for a treat. Yep, beautiful. Um, but with all seriousness, as far as for what we're trying to do, um, we've been working on the audio quality, so hopefully uh, we continue to make improvements in that regard. I'm pretty stoked with how much better we sound, uh, at least through my headphones. Yeah, my headphones sound real good, too. Um, and we've we've made some. Uh, I've at least reached out to a couple people about coming on the podcast as guests. So we're definitely going to be able to do some of that stuff as well. 
I'm still uh, very much into having dog people on the podcast, but that isn't going to be my like singular focus. Yeah, and no. When I don't we want you. Yeah, when we did start this podcast, it very much was about people who are passionate about whatever it is they do. So you know, we've had um, you know some uh, coffee expert, and we've had you know a bunch of, of different dog folks for sure. But I want to continue to get some other people on the podcast that you know can just kind of share their perspective on what they're passionate about and why they continue chasing that that dream per se. But otherwise. We might do some some book review nonsense. Yeah, we right? could. We, we should um, do that. We should do that, and then uh, if anybody has any reason to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us through <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> After I just said I don't use it at all, um, um, you can contact either one of us. That would because it's. I mean, we do speak to each other. It's true. Um, so, philosophers and madmen podcast does have a Facebook page. Um, we do have an Instagram of which I've logged into years ago and then now cannot get back into it. So we don't have that access to the Instagram page don't, currently. Don't go to that one. Um, I might have a bunch of cool messages in there that it's I can't probably receive. 50 messages in there. <laughs> yeah, all telling me I'm an idiot. Um, but otherwise, I'm, I'm thankful for Anybody that has reached out to us in the past and, and tried to light a fire under our ass for getting our podcast back up and running and, and getting shit, you know, kind of together again, and we're we're finally making it happen. We're, so we're doing it. Um, otherwise, that's all from me. I will reiterate that I appreciate all the messages trying to light a fire under our ass. We do get them. We do receive them. Yeah, the fires have been lit. Uh, I it's think. True. I don't want to call it an issue, but uh, I've been told I was a free elf and I have no master. So yep. I feel like that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, excellent. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of uh, either of us, please do through the Philosopher's Mad Men Facebook page. Um, I think we're yep. we're going to get in that Instagram, right? Or we'll just make a new one. Yeah, I don't know who I got to call about that, but I'll figure I don't, it out. I'll fucking call anybody. I don't know if anybody does like the phone thing. Can you call Instagram? Hello, Instagram. Yeah. I'm uh, logged out. Yeah, or just contact me or Josh through either of our pages. Yep. Uh, if you don't know, uh, what is your Facebook? Do you know? You don't do. You uh, yeah, do, yeah, no. Yeah. Like I have a personal Facebook, Joshua Moran, and you can send messages that way. Um, like I said, like that's that's the only form of Facebook that I have any regular contact with. Be mostly because of, um, you know, my friends in Australia. Um, I will give his phone number out <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast, yeah. uh, or just go to my Facebook. I'm David Putman, uh, or uh, Instagram is the Art of Dog, and there's an underscore between all of those words because someone took it. That is David Putman. Yes, it's Putman. If you spell it Putnam, you're like, I can't find you. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> it's Putman. There's six letters, and uh. Last just thing I'm going to close on here because I find it humorous. Um, you said you were going to give out my phone number, right? So I did a, a seminar down in Virginia. Seven once. <laughs> yeah, I did a, a seminar down in Virginia recently. And it was awesome. I had a ton of fun and a bunch of cool people came out. I got to meet some people that I had like known through Instagram and got to catch up with my friend Lenny, which is always awesome. Um, made some new friends like Callie. Shout out. Um, 
And Callie and uh, her boyfriend also have like a uh, a vinyl printing company. Oh, right? cool. Yeah, so they made me this dope sign, dude. It looks great. It's got some cool pictures on it of like me training dogs. It's got my business logo and the name, um, my website, and my personal cell phone number on it. <laughs> Which is uh, actually just my business number is my cell phone, right? So... However, still fantastic. Yeah, it was it was really funny, and um, you know I went there and you know just kind of made the joke like, well, you guys all have my phone number now, so <laughs> feel free to call me whenever. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, a couple people actually have uh, reached out to me, which I thought was great, and then um, yeah, so there's there's my story about my phone number. So, fantastic. Yeah, man. It's seven one six. All right. Uh, Again, thanks a ton, guys, uh, for sticking with us throughout all of our hiatus. And we hope to be seeing you guys a lot more regularly. That's the plan. Cheers.